Well, thank you for coming out. I appreciate it so very much. I know how valuable time is. After you're 70 years old and you're a little beyond that, you know how valuable time is. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come and be here. And uh, I, what I'm going to share with you today is I, I believe God is doing some extraordinary things. I do believe that we will be held accountable for what we have done with what God has given us. And God has given this generation more tools to do what he said to do than any other generation in the history of mankind. And so I am so, so excited about what I'm going to share with you. Now, what I'm going to be talking about is going to sound like some, something really large, and it really is large. It's huge. But what I've discovered is in Zechariah chapter 4, the Bible talks about, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And, and so the work of God is to be done in the power of God. It's not to be work done in the power of man, not even in the power of the tools that he gives us. It's by his spirit that his work is done. But by the same token, in that same chapter, it says this. It says that do not despise the day of small things. Big things are done through small things. And it's the small things that we all can be a part of. I really believe that God wants us to be a part of what He is up to. Now I'm going to, uh, this will be sort of two parts of this message that I'm going to bring. And the first part is I'm, we're just going to walk through the Scriptures. And we're going to look at some Scriptures because I, I believe that anything that we do or anything that we say needs to have a biblical foundation for it. So I want us to just walk through the Scripture and see some things in the Word of God, and I'm going to be sort of flying through this. And then I want to get down to the practical and some things that we're seeing and some possibilities uh, for what God is doing in our ministry, but not just our ministry. I believe that every Christian could be a part of what we're going to look at uh, this evening. So first of all, I want to start with the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20, Jesus had come to this earth. He was all God, all man, the most unique person to ever walk on the face of this earth. He lived a sinless, perfect, holy life, and then he died on a cross. And the reason he died was, and he came for that purpose, to die for the sins of the world, to take the punishment for your sins and for my sins. Because God is holy, and we are sinful. And so Jesus Christ shed his blood on that cross so that you and I could be forgiven, that we could be set free. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he arose from the grave, and when he arose from the grave, he appeared to his disciples. And there he told them this. They had spent three years with him, walking with him, eating with him, talking with him, seeing him work miracles, seeing him do wonderful things. He had poured his life into these 12 people. Now, they were common, ordinary people, and this is the real miracle of it. These were not the great scholars of the day. These, these were not the great orators of the day. These were not the great uh, wealthy people of the day. These were just common, ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors. People struggling with fear. People struggling with doubt. And yet he poured his life into those 12 
appears to them after he's risen from the dead, and he and before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, he gives them this commission. And he says in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, this was the last thing that he told his disciples. And the last thing a person says normally is something they want you to remember. Of all things, don't forget this one thing. Go make disciples of all the nations, Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now let me ask you a question. What had Jesus just commanded the disciples to do? Go and make disciples. So we say you teach them, you make disciples, and then you teach them to make disciples, who will also teach them to make disciples, who will also teach them to make disciples. And so the process begins to multiply. Make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Spiritual multiplication. Now, let me just say that often we, we talk about this and we see this in the gospel here and we see this in the writings of Paul, but we think that, you know, that's New Testament. But I, I believe, as I've looked at the Scripture, that this is the original intent of God. Years ago, I was a, uh, an evangelist, a youth evangelist, traveled for the first 10 years of our ministry, Tex and I traveled as a youth evangelist, and then God called me to pastor. I went to Germany, pastored an American military church, and uh, in a, a church in an American military community, and, and I began to preach through the book of Genesis, and what I discovered in the book of Genesis was the original intent of God, and that it had never changed. You say, what is the original intent of God? In Genesis chapter 1, in verses 27 and 28, the Bible talks about when God created man, and he says that he created man in his own image. And he created man uh, in, in, in his own image, and then he commands man. What was the first commandment that he gave to man? The very first commandment was this, be fruitful and multiply. said that. This was before the fall of man. This was before man had sinned. Man was in relationship with God. God had just created him. He had created him as a living soul. He didn't create him as a computer where he pre-programmed and said, you must do this and you must do that and you have to do this. That's the only way it can be done. No, God created him as a living soul with the ability to think with the ability to feel and with the ability to choose. Because God wanted man to love him. And to love him, you must choose. You must feel. You must think. And, and so God created man as a living soul. And he said, now, in this relationship with me that you have, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God wanted this world to 
worship again. God wanted this planet Earth filled with those kinds of people. Now, we know what happened. That's spiritual multiplication, by the way. But we know what happened. There was multiplication, but not spiritual multiplication. Man multiplied. Man filled the earth. But what man did was man rebelled against God. Man, instead of going God's way, man chose to go his own way. And so, consequently, the world was filled with people, began to multiply, and the earth began to multiply with people. But the people, in rebellion against God, and great darkness came over the earth. And what did God do? He sent his judgment. And when he sent his judgment, there was one family who was saved. There was one family who found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. And who was that? Noah. And so Noah and his family, Noah built an ark, brought his family into it. A flood came, covered the world. And all mankind was destroyed except for Noah and his family. And then Noah comes off the ark. And you remember what the first thing God said to Noah was? It's found in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. Do you know what the very first thing he says? The very same thing he told Adam. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The exact same thing that he told Adam. You see, God's intent between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 9 never changed. But, of course, we know what Noah did after that, too. We know that he blew it. He failed. He fell flat on his face, and, 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 and he sinned. And so what God did, God found another man. He found Abram. And we find in Genesis chapter 17, and it's very interesting, the same word is used. God says to Abraham, when, when, or Abram at that time, when Abram, he finds faith in his heart, and he, and he says to him, I'm going to multiply your seed. Now, the fulfillment of that came through Jesus Christ. That was the fulfillment. Jesus was a physical descendant, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And so that fulfillment is in Jesus Christ, and we are here today because of Jesus himself. So, so we find that in the very beginning, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, this word multiply could be challenged because if you have, uh, it, I don't know which version of the Bible you're reading from, but I went through, I don't know, about 20 versions of the Bible as I was studying this, and I discovered about half of the versions used the word multiply, and half of the word versions use the word increase greatly. And, and basically, when you think about it, they both mean the same thing. In other words, increase vastly, increase in a great amount. We want a large amount. However, personally, I think the word multiply is the more accurate word, and here's why I think that. Because when God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, or to increase greatly, we know biologically that doesn't happen in one moment. We know that happens through a process of multiplication. I have children. My children have grandchildren. My grandchildren will have children, and they will have children, and that's the multiplication process that takes place. So I, I really believe that word multiply, the increased vast greatness of increase comes through multiplication, which is what was meant here. And the reason that's important is when we get to the New Testament, we find the same thing that happens. And it, in fact, I found the same versions. It's interesting, the Hebrew language for the word multiply and the Greek language for the word multiply. The same translation or the same groups who translated 
do the same thing. The ones who use increase greatly in, in the book of Acts uh, are the ones who use uh, increase greatly in the book of Genesis, and the same thing, the ones who use multiply in the book of Genesis use multiply in the book of Acts. But when you get here, you find that basically, I mean, the, the, the standard is Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. Jesus is the one who comes. The center of all of this is the person of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. And the way spiritual multiplication, the only way spiritual multiplication can take place is through Jesus. It's coming to know him. It's getting to know him, following him. And then as you follow him, as we talked about this morning, how we grow in our faith and grow in our lives and grow in our walk with God, then now you take this and you teach others this very thing that has happened to you, this very process that you're going through. You teach others who will also teach others who will also teach others. And when we get to the book of Acts, I find it very interesting because there we have the birth of the church. We have, in the Old Testament, we have God for us. In the Gospels, we have God with us. And beginning in the book of Acts, we have God in us. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of the believer. He comes to dwell inside of you. Think about it. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. God, the creator of the universe, is living inside of this body, inside of this chest. God is living, and he's living in you. And so the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. And if you remember, that small band of believers, Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And there they are waiting in a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit comes. And do you remember Peter? Peter who denied Jesus three times? All of a sudden, he stands and he's full of courage. And he preaches the gospel. And he preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And 3,000 people in one day are converted to Christ. 3,000 people. Then we find that begins to be used as we go through the book of Acts is interesting. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, it says that the disciples were multiplied. At first, it was they were added to the church, but then we find in Jerusalem, the church is multiplied. And then in Acts chapter 12 and verse 24, we find the same terminology used again. And the word was multiplied. Now, so what's happened is, on the day of Pentecost, there was addition. The Holy Spirit came. Peter preached. And when he preached, 3,000 people come to Christ. But then as you begin to go through the book of Acts, we find the multiplication process that takes place. Now, I was talking with a group of pastors who I'm really close to, that I'm accountable to. And uh, I was talking to them about this and sharing with them uh, some of these things and God is just showing me in the scripture and, and teaching me in my own heart. And one of them challenged me, and, and this is a good relationship, but she challenged me on what I was saying and said, well, Sammy, the only problem I see with what you're saying is that after Acts chapter 12 and verse 24, you don't find the word multiplication. You don't find anywhere where it says, and the church was multiplied. And uh, so he said, you know, I mean, at this one moment when the Spirit of God came and, and God was moving in Jerusalem, yes, that's what happened. But then you don't find that afterwards. 
And I thought, well, you know, that, that's interesting. And, and, and he had a point. And, and so I really began to pray about that. I said, Lord, you know, did I just kind of get off on something here? And, 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 and I, I prayed about it and studied Acts and went over Acts and went over Acts and went over Acts for, for months. And as I pondered these scriptures, the Lord spoke to my heart. And it was so obvious. It was so obvious that I missed it. It was right there in plain sight. I kept asking, Lord, what happened after Acts chapter 12 and verse 24? And then it hit me. Verse 25. (laughs) That's what happened. And, And you find in verse 25 that Saul and Barnabas returned from Jerusalem. And then the very next verse says, they were with a group, of, there were five of them, including those two, in a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit says, he, he calls out Saul and Barnabas, and Saul becomes now known as Paul, he calls them out to the work to which they had been called. And what was that work? That work was to bring the gospel to the non-Jewish world. Because up until this point, the gospel was primarily confined within the Jewish community. And the intent of God in spiritual multiplication was never that the, those chosen few have the gospel, and that, but the intent of God was that the whole world would be filled with people who knew God, who loved God, who walked with God. And so he calls these two men out, and he sends them out, and then the rest of Acts is like a, a laser zoom, just zooming in on Paul and, and zooming in on what he's doing. And what he's doing is multiplying. You see, he's going, and he's planting churches, he's preaching the gospel, and he's starting churches, and those churches are beginning to multiply, and he gives us the secret of that over in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, where he says, And those things which you have seen and heard of me in the presence of many witnesses, these things you teach to other men, to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. The very same thing that Jesus told the disciples. Nothing had changed. Multiply spiritually. You teach people to follow Jesus, come to know Him in a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus and how to walk with Him, how to grow in Him so that they can turn around and do the very same thing and teach others. Now, I want to say one more scripture and then I'm going to share with you practically what this means from, from my perspective. In the book of Revelation, we find the end. And we see what happens in the end. And we find in the end nothing has changed. For in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, we find gathered around the throne of God is a multitude of people worshiping Jesus Christ, a multitude that is so great that it can't even be numbered, and it comes from every nation, every tribe, every language group, every people in the world. And so what God intended in the very beginning, we see that the end has taken place. Now, somewhere in that process is you and me. 
And I believe that this is the most exciting generation that has ever been, been given the opportunity to do what Jesus said to do. When I went to pastor in Germany, uh, I uh, was pastor of what's Han Baptist Church in Han, Germany. The word Han in G the German language means rooster, so I was pastor of the Rooster Baptist Church in Rooster, Germany, big time stuff, you know, in this little old rural community and American military scattered all through these villages, and I became the pastor of this church, and it was what I would call a good church, but a sleepy church. Uh, and by that I mean the people were good. They loved the Lord. They, they weren't rebellious. They loved Jesus, wanted to serve Jesus, wanted to follow Jesus. But it was asleep. It was asleep. And, and, I, and I came and my heart broke because I knew these people were wonderful people, but they, they didn't have a vision. I said, you know, and I didn't know what to do. And I heard a man uh, back in the day of cassette tapes, and a few of you will remember those days, but uh, back in the day of cassette tapes, I listened to a cassette tape of a man speak about what I'm talking to you about tonight, about discipleship and making disciples. And he said, pastors, I want to, he was speaking to pastors, he said, I want to encourage you to just tell any men who want to walk, learn to walk with God, that you'll meet with them on a certain day and, uh, and just start discipling them, teaching them how to walk with God. So I got up in the pulpit the next Sunday morning and I said, if there are any men who want to learn to walk with God, I'll meet with you at Thursday morning, 6 o'clock at the NCO Club. We'll meet there, and, and uh, we'll just start learning how to personally apply what I've been preaching and teaching, but how to personally develop a walk with God. And my wife will meet with any women who want to meet at, at noon on Wednesday, and so here it is. If any of you want to meet, we're, we're willing to meet with you. Didn't know who would show up. There were 20 men and 20 women show up. And, and what we basically began to do is I began to teach them basically how to have a quiet time. Because most of these guys were in the military, and I knew that some of them would be in, uh, go to places where there were no churches, and they would need to know how to walk with God whether there was anybody else around or not. And so I taught them this. I taught them how to read the Bible and how to talk to God, how to have a time alone with God. Well, these men and these women began to have a time alone with God. And, and something began to happen. Their, their walk with the Lord just came alive as they began to daily read the Word, spend time in prayer, and they got excited about Jesus, and they started wanting to share Jesus with others. So I said, oh, you know, I need to take this to another level. So I began to teach them how to share their faith in Christ with others, how to share what Christ has done for them, and how to present the gospel to, 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 uh, to their friends that they're concerned about. And then I said, let's combine the two. Let's, let's pray and, and let's share these two things. When that happened, our church just took off. The, the next Sunday, I had um, uh, uh, several new families in the church. The next Thursday, I taught the men how to share their testimony. And, and, they, and I said, now you go out and share your testimony with someone this week. Pray God gives you someone. And then you come back and share with us who you shared your testimony with. And I got a phone call from one of the men. He was an attorney, defense counsel. He was a lawyer and the, and, and, and defense lawyer for the military. And he called me and he said, Sam, get over here right away. Man, I got need you to get, I need you at my office right now. 
And I left what I was doing. I rushed over to his office to see what was going on. I walked in, and there was my friend Ken behind his desk. And, and across from him was this man with his head in his hands, and he was weeping. And I said, what's going on? And Ken began to tell me that this man was getting kicked out of the military for alcohol-related problems. He was in trouble, and he came to him for legal counsel. And he said, I gave him legal counsel. And then I asked him, I said, are you getting any help for your for your alcohol problem? He said, man, I've been to AA, I've been to hospitals, I've been to doctors, nobody's able to help me. I've tried everything, nothing helps me. And Ken said, hey, this is off the record, this is not official. You can tell me to shut up anytime you want me to shut up, and I'll stop. But, but I just I want to share something with you. He pulled out his little four-point outline of his testimony, and he gave his testimony to the man. And the man started weeping, and he said, Man, that's what I've been looking for. That's what I need. Man, that's, that's, that's what I want. And Ken said, Oh, no, Sammy didn't tell me what to do. <laughs> so he calls him, Get over here. So I got over there, and I, I, I led the man to the Lord. The commanding officer was so impressed with this man's the change in this man's life. He sent six more families to get him. <laughs> and and we started having people come to our church. And they, every one of the every single one of these guys, every single one of the ladies, began to lead people to Christ. And so I said to them, Okay, now here's what we're gonna do. I've taught you these things, how to have a time along with God, how to share your faith. Now I want you to take those that you've led to Christ and start a small group, and I want you to teach them what I've taught you. I'll keep meeting with you, but I want you to teach them what I've been teaching me. And so they began to do that, and in one Sunday, our church quadrupled in size. In one Sunday when we did that. Uh, and it was, it was just the most amazing thing. So then our church, we, I won't go through it all, but our church ended up having to move out on Sunday evenings of our church we didn't have enough room. We moved them to the military base and to the high school gymnasium because there were so many pe- people coming on Sunday evening. We went to multiple services on Sunday morning, one of the fastest-growing English-language churches in all of Western Europe. And it all took place through spiritual multiplication. Fast forward. I was pastor for eight years, and then I, my heart was for reaching the world for Christ. I'm an evangelist at heart. You want to let me loose and do what I want to do? It's going to be somewhere telling somebody about Jesus and preaching the gospel. That's what my heart desired. But I went back into evangelism with a different perspective, and that was a perspective of discipleship as well as evangelism. Because what I have found is that you normally have uh, groups over here with discipleship who are really strong in discipleship, but they never reach out to reach others for Christ. Then you have those who are evangelistic who want to reach people for Christ, but they never really disciple. And, and the two sort of go two different directions. And, and what I saw was that the two go together. It's, that's what makes spiritual multiplication. Is both when you have the balance of discipleship and evangelism, reaching people for Christ and then helping them to grow in Christ and then to the place where they can do the very same thing. And... Uh, I, I, I began to build my evangelistic ministry around that concept. And we began to see God work in a tremendous way. You know, preached huge evangelistic meetings, but based on this principle of s- small groups learning to walk with God, pray and share their faith in Christ with others. 
and we didn't have big budgets, didn't have a lot of money, but we had we saw God do big things. And about 12 years ago, uh, the Lord put it on my heart to mentor younger evangelists and to just teach them the basic strategies, the things that I just t- shared with you. I mean, so briefly that I shared with you. Uh, and, and to teach them. So I, in India and Africa and Brazil and different countries, as I would go and preach evangelistic meetings, I started having a, a, a small group of 12 to, to 20 younger guys who had the heart of evangelism, and I just began to teach them the principles that I had used to build an evangelistic ministry. And these guys, God just began to use them. One guy in Brazil by the name of Fabricio, uh, Fabricio uh, was um, a, an evangelist, and he took the principles that I taught, and he took, he was from the nation's capital, Brasilia, and he took 200 churches in the nation's capital, and he went out and applied these principles in a, in a simultaneous outreach in these 200 churches. And it was, God bless it, God used it in such a mighty way that the Brazilian Baptist Convention asked him, after this happened, to become the national director of evangelism for that country. When he became went to that position, he called me and he said, Sammy, we've got to bring this, we've got to bring this to the whole nation. Would you come help me do that? I said, I'll do it, Fabrizio. Whatever you need to do, we'll do it. Uh, there was another guy in India called, his, his nickname was Jolly. He was from a Sikh background. He became a Christian. Uh, he had been into drugs. He, his life was messed up. He met Jesus. Jesus set him free. And uh, he, a pastor took him under his wing and just began to, t- took him in because his parents kicked him out and said, you know, you're no longer our, our child. And so he had no one, so this pastor took him in and began to help him and was a father to him. And when I went to India to preach for his father, his father said, uh, uh, this pastor who became his spiritual father, uh, said to me, would you just spend some time with Jolly? That was his nickname. And so I did. He translated for me. And morning, afternoon, night, he would just pumpy me with question after question after question. So I began to mentor him. And uh, that, that was also about 12 years ago, and he was one of the young evangelists that I mentored. And uh, about four and a half years ago, Jolly called me, and he said, Sammy, he called me by Skype, and he said, Sammy, he said, uh, I started a church in a town in a city in northeastern India here. There are no Christians, no churches, and I started a church, and it's just grown. I mean, we have about 200, and it's almost all young people. And he said, but I need help. I need help in discipling them. I've got so many new believers from Hindu, Sikh backgrounds who don't know anything. He said, could you help me? I said, what do you, what do you want me to do? He said, would you for the next three weeks on Skype, just call in, video call, and, and we'll, you'll be able to interact with them. And just, I've got about 40 who are leaders. And, and just take 40 of these and just interact with them and teach them what you taught me. I said, okay. So through Skype, I began to interact and I began to teach them. Well, after three weeks, Jolly says, Sammy, he says, I think that, that we can have an evangelistic meeting here. Skype? He said, yeah. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, right now we've got, you know, you're, you're, they're seeing you on a TV screen because they've got my computer hooked up to the 
TV. He said, we'll just put it on a big screen and project it. And he said, I said, well, will it work? He said, well, it's working now. I said, well, let's try it. So I put it up on a big screen, projector. I preached from my office in my home. He translated right there. I could hear him. He could hear me. I could see him. They could see me. And we interacted. I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said, if you want to know Christ, just lift your hand. And people lifted their hands. I said, okay, I want to pray with you. Just come down to the front of the platform with Pastor Jolly here. They came to the front of the platform. I said, just bow your head now. And, and I prayed with them right there. And, and 100 people gave their hearts to Christ. And those 100 people, all of them since then, have become part of the church, have been baptized, come into the church, and are growing in Christ. Some of them are leaders now. So Jolly was so excited. He said, Sammy, there was a guy in the service tonight who is a church planner. And he's asking, he said, he wants to plant a church where there are no Christians in this village. He said, if he could get a place for us to do this, could we do this and plant a church? I said, I don't know. We could try it. So this guy goes out and rents this little spot, spot of ground, gets an Internet connection. I preach, same thing. hundred people come to Christ. He takes those 100 people. He begins to disciple them. The church is planted. And I'm saying, this is amazing. We do this six times within the next year. And after six times, Jolly, I mean, he is so excited. He said, Sammy, we're thinking too small. I said, what do you mean? He said, we need to think big. I said, like what? He said, 10,000. I said, Charlie, you think 10,000 people are going to come to hear an American preacher preach the gospel when he's not even there? And he's going to be on a screen. He said, I don't know, but we can try it. I said, okay. So we did. I preached an evangelistic meeting December 1st, 2016, 10,000 people in attendance with about 5,000 who prayed and gave their hearts to Christ. And I was just blown away. Well, there were a number of churches who participated in this, but, but I knew, because I know the churches there, and I knew that they would not be able to handle completely the discipleship. We needed to help them. We needed to resource that. And so... Jolly and I talked. He said, how can we best do that? He said, Sammy, these are mostly young people, and these young people, all of them are on Facebook. If we could start a Facebook page that would help disciple them. I said, well, let's try it. And I've been working on already creating some videos for discipleship training uh, on, on how to grow in Christ. And, and I've already created, I had about 40 that had already been created and had been translated into Punjabi, their language. And, and so I said, well, let's start off with these. We'll put them up once a day, every day, for the next 40 days. We've got enough to do that. And then I'll start creating more, creating new ones. The first month, we, because I had to do this in English and then get it translated, we put up, we created two pages, an English page and a Punjabi page. And the first month, I was blown away at 500,000 views the first month of those two pages. It grew every month through 2017 until June we had on those two pages one million views. And I realized we have, we have tapped into something that's very important. And so 
I said, let's get this translated into other languages. So basically, we have since then translated into 10 more languages these pages, and the average 6.5 million views per month. All discipleship, languages like Farsi. I was going to target Iran because I have a television broadcast that goes into Iran, so a lot of people in Iran know me, so I thought, you know, that would be a great place. The problem is uh, Facebook will not let you target Iran, and Iran will not let Facebook in. So everything got diverted to Afghanistan. Our largest Facebook page that we have is in Farsi. We have about 30,000 young people under the age of 35 in Afghanistan who follow that page and watch these videos every day. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. So anyway, all of this happened. So the Brazilians, remember Fabricio? The Brazilians started using Fabricio started using these discipleship videos, and then they they got creative, and they started doing something else. They started using a little application called WhatsApp. And most Americans don't know what WhatsApp is, but overseas, that's what everybody uses. It's a communication tool. And this WhatsApp, they started small groups. And in this multiplying church movement, what they have done is uh, Fabricio has 33 pastors that he's mentoring. And each one of those 33 pastors have 66 pastors that they're mentoring. So that's 2,000 pastors. And each one of those 2,000 pastors have small group leaders, 10 to 20 small group leaders that they're mentoring. And each one of those small group leaders have small groups, 10 to 20 people in a small group. So you multiply that out, and you've got hundreds of thousands of people now. And so they meet weekly, the small groups do. The, the small groups meet just like we met and that I did in Germany, same thing. But they wanted to have something to provide daily for those people that they were discipling that, they, that would encourage and build, they could build upon. So they asked if they could use my videos and we could make those in a small enough file to where they could get those every day. So every day Fabricio gets a video. He takes that. All he does on WhatsApp is hit a little forward button, and it goes to the 33 pastors that he's mentoring every single day. Those 33 pastors hit a button, and it goes to the 66 pastors each that they're mentoring. That goes then to those 2,000 pastors. They just hit a button, and it goes to the 10 to 20, so that's around 200,000, 200,000 people that they're mentoring. And then that, they hit the button, and it goes on public to the actual people who are in the discipleship group. All getting this. So you're talking to hundreds of thousands of people every day receiving resources, not in a mass mail-out, but in a small group where there's accountability, and, and they're receiving this resource to help them to, to learn to grow in Christ and help others to grow in Christ and lead others to Christ. Well, Fabricio came to me uh, and told me, he said, Sammy, uh, about a year ago, or a little over a year ago, he came to me and he said, Sammy, he said, we would like to take your videos, and during the month of May of 2019, we need 30 videos on the family life because our we, people are struggling in the family life. And we need something to help them to pray for their family. Do you have 30 videos you could give us on family life? I said, I'll, I'll give you 30 videos on family life. They translated them 
They created curriculum for this, praying through your family. They created curriculum for both children and adults. And they brought uh, th- these 2,000 pastors were going to bring all their small groups through this process with the curriculum, meeting, studying this, and then getting the materials every day and then coming together and talking about it at, during the week. 1,000 pastors joined, said, we want to be a part of the praying for your family thing immediately, before they ever started. So that made 3,000 pastors. Then the Baptist Convention heard about it, and they said, we want to get involved in this. 5,000 Baptist churches joined. That made 8,000 churches. I was there in May when they launched this. Another 1,000 churches joined within two days. So we had more than 9,000 pastors each or, and leaders, each one with a minimum of 100 people in their small group. So more, well over 1 million people went through 30 days in this May of praying for your family. And so I was there, and I was just blown away by it, and I said, <laughs> and, and by the way, you know how much that costs to do that? For the WhatsApp and the delivery of this? Zero. Zero. Now, it cost us to have the translation built up. But for the actual delivery of it, it cost nothing. So, <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, what if next year, May of 2020, what if we had one month, instead of, of praying for your family, one month of how to share your faith? And I trained people how to share Christ with others how to pray for their friends, how to share their testimony, just what I did at Han. What if we had one month of that, and then at the end of the month, I provide a video for all of these people because they're learning to share their faith, and I provide an evangelistic video in which they would invite their friends just to join them, not in a big meeting, but join them privately with their cell phone to watch a video that will present the gospel. That would be more than one million non-Christians who would hear the gospel. And they said, man, we really like that idea. But they said, we've got a better idea. I said, what's that? They said, what if you come to Brazil and we do that on that day at the end of that, that month, but on the final Sunday you preach in one of the larger churches in Rio de Janeiro and we live stream it to all those churches that are participating, these 8,000 churches that would be participating and they invite their friends to the church service, and you preach and give an invitation just like you do in, in, in India, and people come to Christ, and they're right there in the church. I said, I like that. And, and then I said, but I've got a better idea. I said, you know, we could take this and do it in other languages. I'm getting materials translated in other languages. Why don't we put in networks bring together networks where we do this. Make a long story short, we right now have, with the networks that I have now, and I'm talking to lots of people already, this thing has grown way out of proportion, but we have in the network what we believe conservatively that we will train 10 million Christians around the world to share the gospel with five people. Each person share with five people. No more. Just five people to, you know, share the gospel and then invite them to listen to an evangelistic message. And 
just believe God's going to do something great. I just believe God's going to do something great. The thing that I want to share with you for you as a takeaway, and we can close because our time is gone here. But the, the, the takeaway for you is this. You can make disciples. God wants you to make disciples. Every one of us, you see, we come, uh, those are big numbers, but it boils down what I said in the very beginning, Cooper, small things. It boils down to one person saying that they are going to learn to share their faith with other people. And they're going to share Christ with others. And then they're going to help those people who come to know Christ to grow in faith. Every Christian should be doing that. You have, and, and I can tell you, there are not many churches that have the kind of vision that this church has. You are strong on evangelism and discipleship already. And you have the resources. You have, you have what you need, I believe, already to do that. Every one of you could, could be sharing Christ with others and helping them to grow. If you could see the spiritual multiplication process that God wants you to be a part of, every single one of you, God can use you. And so I want to encourage you to think and dream and pray about how God could use you to do this. And, and you know, our ministry is just one little, I mean, we are a little ministry. You know, I have one full-time person working with me and two part-time. That's it. But just, but God, you know, the, the tools God's given us for that, I mean, spiritual multiplication can take place so rapidly. There's, there's just no limit. If we're committed to the original intent of God. So I want to encourage you to do that. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Savior. Lord, I thank you for your love and your grace. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just take over. Lord, I pray that you would just give us a vision of how you could use each one of us to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. God, help us to think creatively. Father, help us to think with uh, your thoughts, Father, on those basic biblical truths and how to communicate those truths to others, how to bring people into a relationship with you, how to help them to grow in you, how to help them become those people that you want them to become. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.